2: Our God is the King of Kings. He has all authority. He has all power. He can do whatever He wants. And our God demonstrated His love, and that while we were still guilty, while we were still sinners, when you see that cross, you can understand that there's nothing you have to do.
1: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
2: If those of us who say we're following Jesus, we're eager to tell somebody. And then he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. First, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. Paul had been imprisoned in Philippi, chased out of Thessalonica, smuggled out of Damascus and Berea. He had been laughed at in Athens and Corinth. He had been called a fool. He had been declared a blasphemer and a lawbreaker in Jerusalem. He had been stoned and left for dead in Lystra, but he wouldn't because he couldn't couldn't back down from the gospel. And so here in verse 16, he gives us what's going to be the theme of this deeply theological book. He says, I am not ashamed. You know my problem? Too often I act ashamed. Ashamed. I just preached a missions conference, three messages, preached my heart out. God moved in a mighty way up in New York. I I boarded a flight in Albany, sitting next to this big guy, heading to Atlanta. You know what I did? I just put in my earphones, and I just closed my eyes. I think too often in my life though I'm not in my heart right that's what we would say I've got a good heart I, I live as if I'm ashamed and that's really weird because in our culture I mean there's not shame about anything I mean we're in a shameless culture I mean just go downtown Tampa shoot just walk down Fowler Avenue turn on the TV there's no shame People have no shame about their sinful choices, about their sexual exploits, about their personal habits. And yet, those of us who say we're following Jesus, the truth is, we, (laughs) as they say where I was growing up, the proof's in the pudding. It looks like, it sounds like, we act like. We're ashamed. So I've got a simple message for you today. Don't be ashamed. (laughs) Don't be ashamed. There's no good reason to be ashamed of this relationship you have with God that is described in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to make my case, I'm going to give you the fastest seven points, seven reasons you shouldn't be ashamed that you've ever heard. Number one, don't be ashamed because this is good news. This is good news. I want you to think about that best news you ever heard. You got it in your mind? Think about it. It should be bringing a smile to your face. And some of you need to do this because you're frowning. And they tell me that frowning is much harder work. It takes more muscles to frown. And some of you are working yourself to death right now. So I, I want you to think about that. What, what is this good thing, this good news that you have in your life? Maybe it's when you heard, you passed <laughs> the test. Or maybe it's when she said yes. Or when you heard this, it's a boy, it's a girl. Or maybe this, you won! Or how about this one? It's not cancer. Boy, that's some good news. The gospel is good news. That's literally what it means. It comes from a an old English, Middle English word that meant God's spell. Not spell like a witch's spell. But a, a God story or a good story. So this is the message about God that is good. And we're going to see for everyone that hears it. So most people, the reason we act ashamed is because we're afraid we're going to get rejected. The reason I plop those earplugs in is because I'm thinking, he do not want to talk to me. I could look at him. I was trying to judge the body language like I've got ESP or something But we're afraid we're going to get rejected. But here's what I want you to understand. Why would you get rejected about good news? In a bad news world where there's war, where there's pain, where there's difficulty, where there's death everywhere you turn, we've got good news. But it's only good news if it makes it there in time. that's why we can't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. This is good news, but don't be ashamed. This is from God. Paul says this is the gospel from God. In other words, the God, the God who hung the stars into space, the God Who's laughing in heaven because some scientist on this blue planet thinks we just discovered a new star? What are we going to name it? Let's call it Bob. This God who created everything that is and He spoke it into existence. This God says, "I've got some good news for you. God is for you. God loves you. So why would I be ashamed of of letting somebody else know that God?" loves us and he cares about us don't be ashamed this is good news this is from God but don't be ashamed because this is about Jesus see I, I think one of the reasons I don't tell people more often about Jesus is because I guess I'm thinking about me I'm worried that they may look at something I've said or something I've done or or like look at my life or I'm worried that I don't have the right words it's not about me and it's not about you And so Paul, man, he gives us a long description. He says, this is about the one who was promised in the Old Testament. It's it's about the one who came out of the line of David. It's about the one who was 100% man, but he's 100% God. I mean, this is about the God man, Jesus. And there's never been one like him. There's no one like Jesus. And so if we really believe that, if we want to amen and clap that, why would I keep that to myself? That's what separates what we believe from every other religion in the world. We believe that Jesus is God. It's about Jesus. Don't be ashamed. This is good news. It's from God. It's about Jesus. But this has great power. He says it's the power for salvation. Just think about that. What we have... If you're a follower of Jesus, what you have within you has the power to change lives. It has the power to take someone who's living in darkness and show them light. It has the power to take someone who's headed to hell and give them heaven. Not everybody will understand that. 1 Corinthians one eighteen says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, what does that mean? That means... When you tell somebody else, it's not dependent upon your ability. It's the power of God working in you. So if you act unashamed and you share with someone what Jesus means to you and they don't receive, you didn't blow it. They didn't respond to the power of God. But let me just tell you what I've seen in 30 years of ministry. I've seen the the power of God break addictions in people's lives where they didn't think they could live without alcohol or drugs. I've seen the power of God restore a marriage. I'm thinking of one marriage several years ago, uh, more than 15 years ago. A man, a deacon in the church, called me up. He said, I'm done. It's over. I said, come talk to me. He said, I don't want to talk to you. I've, I've had it. I'm walking out of this marriage. I said, give me 15 minutes. Just come by my office. I'll wait here. Sunday afternoon we begin to talk and i begged him i said man just give god a chance to work his power in your marriage he gave god that chance to do a marriage miracle here 15 years later they're they're happily married they're serving the lord i've seen the power of god do that I've seen the power of God take people that are fighting diseases and heal them. I've seen the power of God in other people that are fighting diseases give them the ability to smile and to have the peace that passes understanding even though they've not been healed. This is the power of God. And it's what Paul would later describe in this way. He would say, it gives you the ability to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you've ever asked, dreamed, or imagined. Why? Because of the power that's at work within you. Not your power but his power. We look at what's going on in Ukraine and we think about nuclear bombs for the first time in decades. And the truth is, to our knowledge, the largest power that has ever been created in nuclear power and the largest bomb of a nuclear bomb was created many years ago by Russia. It's known as the Soviet RDS-220. It weighs over 60,000 pounds. It was so powerful that when they tested this, they told the pilots that there's a 50% chance that you won't even survive the blast when you drop the bomb. It exploded. It was visible from 620 miles away. The cloud went 40 miles high. That's seven times the height of Mount Everest. It released power Equivalent to 50 megatons of TNT. That's 1,570 times the combined power of the bombs that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Ten times the power of all the conventional bombs dropped in World War II. And you think of that power, or you look at positions of authority, or or you think about people like Elon Musk who seem to have all the money in the world, and you think, now that is power. But the reality is, regardless of the military might, and regardless of the position you hold, and regardless of the money you have, you don't have the power to change one life. But there's that kind of power in the gospel. That's who God is. That's what He does. The church is not the power of God. Religion is not the power of God. Work is not the power of God. Only the gospel is the power of God. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. This is good news. It's good news from God. It's good news from God. That's about Jesus. It's good news from God about Jesus. It has great power. It's good news from God about Jesus. that has great power. That is for everyone. Say it's for everyone. You believe that? We don't act like we believe it. We we don't act like our neighbors could be changed, or our coworkers could be changed, or our classmates could be changed if only they knew this gospel of Jesus. And all the time I come in contact with people that are—they live their life like I did on that last airplane drive, and they—they would say things like this, Pastor, man, you just don't understand. My faith is deeply personal to me. And I do understand your faith should be deeply personal, but it's never intended to be private. It's not okay for your faith to be private. This is for everyone. Classmates and teammates and coworkers and neighbors and family members and community acquaintances, everybody. You want to know what kind of difference you can make? In 1855, a Sunday school teacher by the name of Mr. Kimball He led a Boston shoe salesman to faith in Christ. That guy's name was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody became a great evangelist. In 1879, he awakened the zeal of, of a man named Frederick Meyer. Frederick Meyer also began to be on fire in his faith, and he led a young man named Wilbur Chapman to the Lord. And Wilbur Chapman became an evangelist, and he began to work with a retired baseball player who was kind of rough around the edges, and his name was Billy Sunday. But Billy Sunday, man, he got so excited for the Lord that when you were just around him, he's kind of like my friend Pastor Zach. When you're just around him, you wanted more of Jesus. And Billy Sunday, he teamed up with a guy named Mordecai Ham, and he said, We need to have a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Mordecai Ham, he preached in that revival service just like I'm preaching today. And there were some young men in the choir behind him, and one of those young men heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he recognized that even though he was on the stage singing in the choir, he had never met the Jesus that Paul met on that Damascus Road, and he needed to get saved, so he got out of the choir. He went down, and he got saved that night, and his name was Billy Graham, and because Billy Graham got saved, more than two million people have walked out of their seats in Colosseum's in theaters, in stadiums around the world, and they've given their life to Christ. But one day, one day there was a pastor that felt like quitting everything, ministry, life, everything. And he wasn't at church. He was sitting in his brother's home in Orlando, Florida, Everybody else was asleep, and he just started flipping through the TV channels. And he came across a Billy Graham crusade. But it wasn't Billy Graham that he saw that day. Because the Billy Graham that got saved had brought people around him, and it was a man named George Beverly Shea singing. And he was singing. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. And because a Sunday school teacher named Mr. Kimball shared with a shoe salesman named D.L. Moody, whose gospel line went all the way to Billy Graham. That preacher got out of that recliner that day, and he's standing before you today, and he's saying, We can't be ashamed of the gospel. But Paul also says, Don't be ashamed because this is how you get right. I just need you to know we ain't right, we're not born right. No matter how many self-help books you read or encouraging things people say to you, you are born separated from God and everyone you see is born the same way. But the gospel, the gospel is how you get right. The gospel fixes that which is broken. That's why we got to preach it to ourselves every day. Because it's the gospel that's going to help you in your broken marriage. It's the gospel that's going to help you with your broken finances. It's the gospel that's going to help you with your broken relationship. It's the gospel that's going to help you when you feel like giving up. Because none of us, it says in Romans 3.10, none of us is righteous, no, not one. But the last thing I would tell you is you can't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Because this is this is just really simple. <laughs> he ends with what is really the ultimate theme of Romans. The righteous shall live by faith. You know what he doesn't say? The righteous will live by religion. The righteous will live by ritual. The righteous will live by Sunday morning church attendance. The the righteous will live by giving at the special offering. No, the righteous live by faith. We walk by faith. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that he doesn't say it's it's how you behave? It's not how you behave, it's how you believe. But if we really believe what we say we believe, it's going to affect all these things in our life. It's not what we do. We simply share the good news. Like this young man Years ago at the University of Southern California, there was a philosophy professor, and he prided himself every year at the end of the semester, he he would stand before the students and convince them that none of them any longer believed in God. It was his goal to make them all atheists like he was. So he said, if there's anybody in this classroom on the last day, if there's anybody here who still believes in God, stand up. And then he would always say this, of course you're not going to stand. Because if there was a God, you could ask him, To stop this piece of chalk from falling and breaking. And he could do it. But there's not a God. And he won't. And every year for 20 years he would drop that piece of chalk. It would fall to the floor. And break into a lot of pieces. Until one year where there was a young man who knew he needed to take that class. But he happened to be a person of faith. So in the years leading up to that he... Began to prepare. And the couple months before it came time to take that professor, he was praying, God, give me strength. I want to be able to stand at the end of the semester. He went through the whole semester. The end of the semester came. The professor said, if there's anybody here that still believes in God, you stand up. And that young man stood up. (laughs) He said, you idiot. You're a fool. Because if there was a God, you could pray to him and he could stop this piece of chalk from falling to the ground. And breaking into all these pieces, but he he won't, because there is no God. He dropped that piece of chalk, but it got caught in his um, the cuff on his shirt, and then it kind of bounced down and got stuck in the pleat on his pants, and then it kind of rolled down his pant leg and rolled off of his shoe, and then just gently rolled onto the floor in one piece. He was needless to say flabbergasted. So he picked up his notebook and he walked out. And that young man came to the front of the classroom. And he said, I just want you to know there is a God. He may not always answer the prayers the way you want them to. But there is a God. And he's worth standing up for. See, what I want you to say is you don't need to be ashamed. Our God is worth standing up for. And so today, if you're a Christ follower, that's your assignment. Stand up for God this week. Find a way in your little corner of the world to stand for Jesus, to stand for the gospel. Don't be ashamed. And we want to make it easy for you, because you can look at these banners behind me or this image on the screen, and you can remember just these four things that help you share what the gospel means to you. You look at that man and you realize we are all created equal. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. All of us are born wrong. We're separated from God. We're broken. We're sinful. And if you take that sin and you put it on a balancing scale, no matter how good you are, the sin is always going to outweigh the good. And that's always going to declare you guilty. But our God, our God is the king of kings. He has all authority. He has all power. He can do whatever he wants. And our God demonstrated his love. And that while we were still guilty, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And that cross, when you see that cross, you can understand that there's nothing you have to do because he's done it all. You just have to look to him in faith Because the righteous will live by faith. Now some of you are saying, I wish I had a way I could remember that. And so today when you came in, we gave you this little armband. If you didn't get one because you thought, I don't want that, now you know what it is. You need to get one when you leave. And it has those symbols. It's simple. Again, it took me about 60 seconds to go through it. You see that man, we're all in the same boat. Every one of mankind is born the same way, separated from God, and that causes us to sin and be out of balance, and that sin causes us to be guilty before God, but God's the king of kings, and he can do what he wants to, so he sent his son Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our guilt and to make a way for us, and if you needed to know where that comes from, Romans 1.16 is on here, which just reminds you that you don't need to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friend, hear me. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel.
1: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support.